Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn, Jen Anderson, and Tanya Ryan. I know you don't need to hear my sad story, but I'm going to share it with you anyways. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was meant to post a podcast and I spent 40 minutes on this podcast and I, I poured my heart out and then it glitched, something happened. I don't know. I lost it. So let's let's hope the technology gods are with me today um, and that this one turns out a little bit better. I wonder, like, I mean, whatever, of course, I'm a person who kind of believes in the the whatever is, is what's meant to be sort of philosophy. So there's a part of me that's like, maybe we weren't ready for that yet because I also felt a little inarticulate about the concept. So I'm going to share something with you that just kind of like recently entered my field in this really funny and poetic way. So it's, it's no news to anyone, right? That our living our best life is living presently, right? Be in the moment, they say. Like if we're we're thinking about the future, we're living in anxiety. If we're thinking about the past, we might be living in, oh, I can't remember. There's like a phrase, depression, is that? Anyways, basically it's going like we're not really doing anything constructive by living in the future or living in the past. And the best place to be to cultivate joy is to be in the moment as often and as frequently as possible. Okay, I've heard this how many million times? Um, but it's funny because recently this was said to me in a completely different way and it hit me in a way that the phrase just be present or just be in the moment never hit me. And even though that's exactly what it's saying. So I was in a conversation with a friend of mine and this friend of mine for context is very, very pragmatic, is very like, um, like edges on blunt, um, which I usually kind of appreciate just because I also feel that this person is not inherently like judgmental. So they'll just say stuff and, and it's just like, yeah, it is what it is. Like it's, it's factual information from their perspective. So even though sometimes it's an opinion, it's just, it's not really without any, it's not colored by this kind of like judgmental filter. It's just like, this is the way I see the world. Like, and it's always like this really kind of neutral way because I find that this person can say things to me that like anyone else would say them and I'd get real butthurt about it. (laughs) But this person says it and I'm like, huh, huh, that's something to think about. Um, anyways, so, uh, I'm going to do my best to kind of, um, share what they shared with me and, and, uh, and do so in a way that basically completely distorts what they said. Cause we had a conversation after this and he's like, that's not what really what I meant. I was like, I know, but it really works for me. So I'm just going to run with it. So I was saying, uh, we were just like, basically in like a, Hey, how are you kind of exchange? He's like, anyways, how are you? And I, you know, lean into my morbid humor and I'm like, Oh, you know, like there's this going on, that going on. And, you know, still, still dealing with, uh, the last two years being, a basically this ongoing existential identity crisis sort of situation. Ha ha ha. You know, um, and just sort of like, how that's the last two years have felt like really challenging for me, just like figuring out who I am and, and that, and amongst other layers of different emotional unravelings, it's been kind of like a tricky go. Um, anyways, he was very diplomatic and was like, would like, can I weigh in on this? Do you, would you like my thoughts on this? Of course. Absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm going to quote him. And, um, he said, 
I've never really understood people's need for a purpose, frankly. I find the questions, why are we here and why am I here, irrelevant. My thought is that life doesn't need a reason to exist, merely the opportunity, and that changes the life experience and that changes the life experience from purpose-driven to experience-driven. As a result, I've never really looked towards an outcome. So I guess my point is I don't see, quote, Tanya as ending a couple years ago and being replaced by, quote, mother. I see Tanya with some new stuff. I don't think that needs to line up with anyone else's experience. So um, I I love this because, and I'm sure you heard it. um, And again, I think like what he was probably more meaning to do is just kind of going like, you know, you're still you, even though you've got other things going on. Um, but what I got out of it was just like, I just liked the way he lived his life. It's like, yeah, it's, there's no point. There's no result. There's no ending. And it's a bit of an ego gut, gut punch, right? Because I think we want to feel like there is like this relevancy to our existence or this relevancy to our actions or our careers or our lives or our input or our words or whatever. Anyways, there is an ego attachment to those things. And even though, yes, like, well, like I can hear like the arguments coming in, like, yes, there are there is actually, we make an impact. There is impact. There is results. There is relevance. There is importance. There is. But I think we put way too much weight on it sometimes. And I think that that can turn into like this pressure or it did for me anyways. Like it was like, I need to figure out what makes me important so I can do those things that make me important and then get what? That recognition, that validation, that feeling of accomplishment, like whatever it is. But meanwhile, while I'm in this weird exploration of trying to figure out what that purpose is, I am missing moments that are happening right now. Like, I feel like the whole first year of my kids' existence was in this fog. And I know, like, new motherhood, this is kind of par for the course. This isn't weird. Um, But I feel like the way or how much my postpartum depression impacted me And then coupled that with this pressure of being like, oh my God, I have no purpose because I didn't even get to like, be like, you know, oh, my purpose is mother because I didn't identify with the role. Like it was so hard for me to wrap my head around like mother, especially good mother, didn't want to be a bad mother, wasn't really being a great mother. Like I just didn't feel like I was kind of anything as it pertained to mother. None of those roles and everything I did felt really, um, it just felt like it was very methodical. That's not the right word. It felt like I was like running the motions without my heart in it. So I'm like, well, that doesn't feel like my purpose then. If my heart's not in it, I'm just kind of doing it because that's my job. Like that's what I (laughs) committed to. This person exited my body and now these are my roles. Like, but it's, I don't align with them as like a purpose. It feels like in the moment, of course, it feels monotonous and sometimes it feels really laborious and sometimes it feels really, um, as in very unrewarding at times. And there's kind of like this whole thing. So none of that, you know, screams purpose to me because I guess when I associated purpose, I associated with glory, right? Again, there's so much ego here. So it's like, I associate purpose with, Oh, acknowledgement. Oh, recognition, validation, um, impact, like someone coming back and being like, this really changed my life or made a difference for me or like made my day better. It doesn't even have to be a huge thing. But what I was like essentially doing is looking for my importance. And I was doing this search very externally. So my friend basically saying like, 
if, if you, you know, changing your perspective from purpose-driven to experience-driven. That's it. That's all he's, and he didn't even say to, to do it for me. He said, this is how I live my life. And I'm like, that's a really fucking good way to live your life. <laughs> like, like it, then it makes waking up in the morning and whatever that day holds, that's the point. That's, that's the end goal is that day, whatever it was. If it was the worst day ever and my kid like did nothing but, you know, throw things and, um, you know, pour yogurt on the floor and have temper tantrums, that's, that was Thursday. Yay, Thursday. That, that was the point. And whatever I experienced in that, my emotional um, journey in that day, perfect. That was exactly what it was supposed to be. If I you know, laid in bed with my son and went through pretty much every word that he knows and every person that he knows. And, and then he fell asleep. Then that was the experience. And I think it, it does a couple things. Is it one takes so much pressure off of like, Oh my God, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? Who am I supposed to be? Um, how can I get my shit together in order to be this person? And I don't know if you have had two years of sleep deprivation, but having any sort of cognitive function is challenging. Um, so it just, it relieves this pressure, but then it also gives you the freedom to like live and let be what is occurring. And then it's, that's all it is. It's just experiences. So instead of pursuing your passion or, your journal entry or your podcast or your work or whatever it is, instead of doing it for a result, you're doing it because the experience alone is what fills you up. So then that in and of itself is like a re like serve, can serve us too, right? That idea. So is your day to day something you're letting filling you up? And if not, like if something in your day to day is just feeling like this drain, like it's just emptying you out, and I'm referring mostly to work or certain relationships, then maybe there needs to be a restructure there. Maybe there needs to be different boundaries created. Maybe there needs to be holding that person or that job to a different level of accountability, different expectations to be applied, whether they need to be lower or higher, or you need to simply maintain that this is how I am treated, or this is how I like to feel in my day and how I deserve to feel. And that doing that without being evasive of, of ugly feelings, very tricky. But um, I was talking to someone else recently, so I'll try to use this as an example for the job thing, is essentially making sure that your energetic exchange between you and your work is balanced. And I think if I look back at how I pursued my music career, over the, you know, over a decade that I did. I don't think there was a balance exchange. I think I let, I put more in than I was getting out, um, not only financially, but energetically and ambitiously and just like everything. I invested kind of everything. And I think when I had my son and between having my son and COVID and the opportunities kind of drying up in that realm and taking a step back, I think I realized I was in kind of this, I was running on fumes for many years. And then I kind of feel like at this point, I'm in this like state of burnout. So it's either that or two years of sleep deprivation, really hard to say, but let's with both maybe. Um, so it's basically kind of going like, huh? Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't a balanced energetic exchange. I needed to have, um, more maybe space or free time, or maybe I needed to delegate some things because I was doing too much alone or 
whatever it was, but I needed to basically readjust my relationship with my music because I don't think that it was the healthiest um, it could have been. And so having this reading with this person just made me realize that our relationship to our career, and that doesn't matter if that's just a job and it doesn't matter if it's you pursuing the thing you love, okay? It needs to feel like a healthy relationship between you and another person. Are you getting out of it what you're putting into it? It doesn't mean it's like this tit for tat situation, but does it feel balanced? When you go in and you give your all, do you feel like you're getting it back? Do you feel like you're getting it back, whether that's in money or recognition or appreciation or whatever it might be, it just needs to be whatever you pour out of your cup into your work needs to be pouring back to you in some way or another. And if it's not, then that's up to us to readjust that barometer and make that shift. So I'm like digressing way off, way off my point, which was initially just to be, to be more present. But let's just say that this is all somehow linked and somehow, um, makes sense to all of us. I think that if, if we look at it, like that whole, like being more experience driven than purpose driven, I do think we're bringing ourselves into a place where we are opening ourselves up for more joy filled experiences because we're there, we're present, like we we're there to have them versus them like occurring around us and, and us being stuck thinking about or worrying about something that's going to happen. And that's going to like interrupt what is happening. I also think it interrupts, um, our ability to emotionally digest. Like most of us are cognitively processing our emotions and there's many of us that are avoiding feeling things because feeling sucks feeling feelings is hard. And like, there's so many people that just simply do not know how to feel feelings. Maybe that's what I'll leave off on. Um, today is like a, how to feel your feelings. And I'm not going to say how to, as in this will work for everybody, but I'll give you an idea and you can take it and you can make it your own. So it'll be like, I'm giving you a recipe and you can add or take away whatever ingredients you wish. I'm someone who thinks my feelings. And what I mean by that is I have a feeling and I go, oh, I'm frustrated. Well, here's, and this starts, this triggers a dialogue in my head. Well, here's why I feel so frustrated. Here's why it makes sense that I feel frustrated. Here's all the reasons that justify my frustration. Here's a couple of reasons why I might feel more frustrated. Or, you know, did you ever think of it? And I go down a rabbit hole of going and justifying, quantifying, qualifying, and just making sense of those feelings. And all of that is not actually feeling frustrated. It's thinking frustrated. Feeling frustrated and there's many ways you can do this, but this is something that has worked for me is, um, like step one, I guess would be identify the feeling. And if you can't do that, you can actually skip that part anyways. So maybe it is, I'm frustrated. And then the second question is, what does it look like? Like what texture would that be? If it was a texture. So I go into my visualization, that's how I operate. It's how I operate intuitively. I'm very imaginative and so I go in and I go, what, if frustration looked like something, what would it look like? What color is it? What's the texture? What's the consistency? Um, is it somewhere on me? Is it around me? Is it within me? 
Um, and then I kind of just like, I basically try to make this as vivid as possible. And then once I have that image, I basically just sit there and like watch it like a movie screen kind of in my head. And again, I know that, um, we all have kind of different operation systems for our brain and maybe that isn't not going to work for you, but this can kind of be interpreted. Maybe you're someone who feels very viscerally in your body. So then your questions are more body led. Where does that take place in my body? Where do I feel it the most? Is it thick? Is it thin? Is it sticky? Is it rusty? Like just kind of like create as many descriptors and then feel it. So like I said, you can kind of take this and run with it and, and interpret it and twist it and shift it. But ultimately what happens is, is as I sat there and watched and what frustration appeared to me as was almost like I was sitting in the middle of this hurricane and my hair's like whipping in like seven different directions and it's all over the place. And it took place kind of at my shoulders and above. And it's just like chaos, like all kind of buzzing around. It's gray and it's got like black flecks in it and it's just ugly and it's uncomfortable. And I sat there in my frustration hurricane and watched my hurricane. And eventually the wind slowed down and the hurricane passed. And I think that that might have been the first time I successfully felt my feelings at 34 years old. <laughs> oh, yay, progress. <laughs> um, so I, what I'm saying is, is when we feel and it actually passes, I think that that's an actual digestion of that feeling as opposed to thinking it and then just going back at it every time and feeling just like, even sometimes it's accumulative. Have you noticed that? The more you like think about something, you can actually like feel it more. Like it's like, it gets bigger. It's kind of like, I don't know, picking it a zit maybe or <laughs> it just gets worse. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys I have the worst analogies, but you know, <laughs> um, and if you do notice like a reoccurring feeling, cause I think this is the other thing is we think that, Something happens and we're like, okay, it happened. I, you know, felt it, lived it, f went through it. And now it's passed and it's over. Kind of. But if anyone that has grieved the loss, especially the loss of a life of someone close to them, you'll know that it's not like that. You don't just like someone doesn't pass away one day and then you're sad for a few days and then you're just never sad again. And no one would expect that of you. And yet we expect that in every other emotional scenario. Well, why am I not over this? Why do I still, why does this still come up? Why am I still mad about that? Because that's what grief is, man. It's cyclical and it's nonlinear. And as long as we're giving space for our feelings, actually feeling them, I do think it maybe becomes a little less voluminous over time. But there's some stuff that we're never going to completely eradicate. Some stuff we will. So it's not to say you have to live with certain things forever. Um, but be open and welcoming to the experience that your body's asking you for. If you if you got a feeling coming up about something, just feel it. Like just let it in. Let it occur. Let it happen. And see what happens. I think pushing it away is like, um, I don't know, it reminds me of a kid, I guess. And if you were a parent to a kid and that kid was pining for your attention and you just said, no, don't, like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. 
I don't think that kid is ever going to stop pining for your attention. They might just take different methods. And this is how we end up with kids that have like, quote unquote, behavioral issues or something is that they just want to be seen. So they're going to do different things to be seen. And I think our body is very similar to a toddler in that way. It's like, oh, I'll get your attention. <laughs> you, I might try a nice way first. And then if you don't listen to me, I might try a way you don't prefer. Um, so I don't think there's a way around that. But um, anyways, I'm going to leave it off on that because I, I feel done. I feel closed off. And hopefully I didn't leave too many dangling threads. But you're welcome to call me on them if I did. So message me. You can email uh, spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Tanya Ryan XO. And um, feel welcome to, of course, message the Spiritual Boss Podcast, which is at the Spiritual Boss Podcast on Instagram. Um, we love hearing from you guys and the input is amazing and we're so grateful that this year, especially you've been so interactive with us and, um, I've heard so much more, uh, feedback this year from you guys than ever. And we love that. So please keep interacting with us and thank you so much for listening. Peace in, peace out. <laughs>